Our guests today, Courtney, are Michaela Liu and Trisha Pettis from Edina Schools in Minnesota. Welcome. Hello. Hello. Welcome. So you two are coaches. Right. That, that's correct. Okay, so tell yes. us a little bit about what kind of coaches you are. So for 10 years, we were in a job chair position where one of us would teach high school English in a middle school setting. We were 6'9", building, and the other would watch each other's kids, and we just flip flop every other day. So it gave us the, and we we're also sisters, so it gave us this amazing opportunity to really form this powerful partnership where you can be totally vulnerable and take risks and um, just constantly be pushed to grow in uh, our capacity in the education world. And uh, we were teaching ninth grade class in the, the 10th grade high school English teachers were very brave and they decided through the lens of equity to establish one pre-AP course for all just to help other kids have access to rigor and be set up for an opportunity to take an AP course. So we went from separate classes to one pre-AP nine course. And in that moment we were like, wow. Uh, we we uh, felt like it created an urgency to know our students better than we realized we needed to. And when we first started this class, we thought, how are we going to meet the needs of all kids right. in one class? So we became what we kind of self-coined master differentiators, yeah. where we had well, three tiers for everything mm -hmm. we did. Um, and we felt really good about the work, and I think it was in the right direction. But then we heard Barbara Bray speak. Mm -hmm. She came to our district. It was amazing. And, of course, she said a lot of great things. But what stuck with me was an aha moment. She said, teachers are doing all the work. Yeah. So here we were, doing all the critical thinking, mm -hmm. all the creative thought, and then just handing it in front of them and they would then do school go through the go through the motions so we said we don't know what personalized learning is but we're going to do it and we just said started with one unit at a time and thought about where can we offer voice and choice where can we create learning pathways mm -hmm. and then fast forward four years later um we're now coaches so now our position is half the time we're still in the classroom okay. and the other half of the time we get to coach and partner with teachers and offer strategies, ideas, professional development um, for our whole staff. So yeah, our administration decided this was a priority for us mm -hmm. to really uh, put steps into place to meet the needs of all kids, need what we said. Yeah. And so in order to do that, they put the support in place and, and have this position where if a teacher said, I really like this idea, it sounds interesting, but we could come in and say, but how about you share something with us and we'll maybe give you some ideas, revamp it a little bit. And it just, it just took off from there. But what we love is that we can still be in the classroom doing the work that our peers are doing um, and, and sharing our stories of trial and error, too. Yeah, we're still learning by doing. And that um, I think we have the best of both worlds because we're still in the classroom with kids and then we're helping teachers make connections and share new ideas with teachers. And when we first got into the coaching role, um, we weren't you know, thinking about how we're going to help teachers with personalized learning. We made all these continuums and we're, you know, checklists and they'll set goals and then we'll mark where they're at. But really, thankfully, that never got off the ground. And really how we found that we moved the work was we created systems around personalized learning practices. And then as coaches, we supported teachers in knowing how to use those systems. So really, I think any change in school has to be from systems and support. Mm -hmm. Not checklist. 
So what are some of the trends you have seen working with teachers? Have you thought about like a novice, not a novice teacher, but like novice to personalized learning, like, or maybe someone who is more comfortable, more advanced with it, and then maybe the real advanced teachers. What are some of the, the yeah. common things you end up working with teachers on? Well, the first way we started with teachers is we just asked them to name the learning process for kids. Mm -hmm. And what we did at our school is we actually created a common language for all teachers across the whole school to use. So traditionally, teachers use some sort of direct instruction. We call that teacher seminar. Yeah. And we set norms around it and practice it with kids and had them reflect on how they feel when they're in teacher seminar. And then we took group work and called it collaborative, collaborative groups. Um, again, just traditional group work, but named it, put norms around it, practice it, had kids reflect on it. And yeah. finally, we had for, you know, when you have kids try things on their own, we called it an independent flex. Mm -hmm. So just by naming what we do as teachers and then giving kids an opportunity to then reflect on how did that feel for you? How do, how do you process? How, what, what pathway do you learn best was our kind of initial entry point for for beginning the work. Okay. I would say that and then encouraging teachers to be goal setting with kids and have them reflect on those goals and at first we'd often hear I don't have time to reflect. I have so much right. content to get through and, and what we say to them is then call it processing time. Yeah. Because kids need it as much as adults need it. And we don't encourage just processing time on the content but how the learning process, how kids get to where they are mm -hmm. and what their role was in that and, and Without struggle, there's no progress. And where was the struggle around the, along the way? And as teachers, we encourage them to set up winning streaks for kids in the midst of those you know, growth opportunities. So it just snowballed, snowballed from there. I think some of the common things we hear from teachers, and I think this comes from a, a positive intent, is kids aren't ready or they can't make that decision. Uh, kids, because our kids every day they choose for 35 minutes a day they choose where they need to go uh, for a portion of the day called daily flex, and uh, we try to really uh, up the support for teachers around feedback that we give kids mm -hmm. and helping kids make data informed decisions and not being so afraid of the word data. And I would say. Um, yeah, I mean, along those lines, another way besides naming the learning pathways is thinking about how to make your curriculum accessible for all kids, right? Where some kids, um, not just here's what I'm going to teach and this is how many days I'm going to do it, and like some kids will get it and some kids won't, and some kids it'll be way too slow for. But we decided to rethink instructional time because of our daily flex. And so, how can you work in pathways for extra support because I mean, more support, um, and then pathways for maybe going faster or maybe um, going deeper for some rigor or some enrichment opportunities. Yeah. But with these supports, then the teachers would slowly let go and realize, wow, they can, you know, yes. they can meet this bar. And what's interesting is they've been in this system where they just have to focus on being compliant right. all the time. And so when they're presenting with this opportunity to actually truly have a voice in that space, yeah. I feel like it's liberating for them, and right. they just, they transition faster than we ever anticipate that they would. Well, and when there's, again, when there's systems in place for these pathways of more support, um, again, I just feel like personalized learning allows us to be responsive, mm -hmm. that we know how, what teaching should be. I see this kid as needing more support instead of just moving on and hoping he comes in early for school one day, uh -huh. that it's 
that build in that it's not until that we're not waiting until the test to, to realize oh they're struggling mm-hmm. now we got to go back and relearn all that as we keep moving on it's built in within the system that um, as you're doing your formative assignments you are you and the students are informed about what they know and not know and you can respond right. because of personalized learning systems that are in place and as coaches we try to do that with teachers too because what we you know we try to model what we're asking so we're responsive to the teachers too and their needs and what supports they need and so the common language doesn't only doesn't just help kids it helps teachers mm-hmm. because what we believe about personalized learning is that it's best practice it's effective teaching strategies and a lot of times teachers are already doing these things and just naming that for them and pointing that out so it doesn't feel like a trend that's coming and going or one more thing or one right. more thing and so that's really what we strive hard for whether we're doing a conference breakout um, or we're working side by side with our peers or communicating with uh, key stakeholders and give people something to sink their teeth into it's a tangible thing that they can apply to their classroom or they can apply to their child's learning or um, any you know any context that is around learning so one thing we've heard a lot in our discussions with different people and practitioners around personalized learning is the importance of the adults really embracing the why and really owning the process and really wanting to make this change and it's not something that you can do once and then be like oh we did the why four years ago so how in your regular practice as coaches do you keep that why alive for people yeah well, i love that question yeah do, do you want to start <laughs> well i have to process it for well, a bit you but. know jim rickaba who also is big and you know in, in our yeah. precise world he would say when you're getting pushed back go back to your why yeah. because that that's where the disconnect is usually what they're not understanding why and I feel like that works with my students too if I'm ever um, they're ever struggling with what we're doing I'm like oh I gotta go back to the why and and remind them so how we keep that alive really is um, I think sometimes too it's kind of um, what's the word I'm looking for it's almost like a relief for teachers when we're like you don't have to have all the answers and you um, don't have to be the expert on everything. You are just really the guide, and you're learning along with them. Um, I think the why comes from too. We have a really strong team, mm-hmm. a really great culture, with a lot of accountability mm-hmm. and certain uh, lines like it's okay to be where you're at. It's not okay to stay there. We're going to go slow to go fast. That keeps you know the the focus in play mm-hmm. without this kind of mandate feel or this um, you know directive and really we like Trisha said we tap into our learners all the time we talk to learner panels we survey them mm-hmm. and their voices and how they finally feel I'll never forget we had a student panel once and what happens is people come to our, our school to see the the great things we're doing and uh, there's no script the, the attendees just ask kids questions and somebody asked how something about how kids feel in the school with these this idea that they have voice and choice and just more they're more active in their learning and one girl said I feel like my teachers care about me Mm -hmm. and it's little sound bites like that that we just cycle back into our PD or our staff meetings or what however we can share and that's enough for a lot of teachers Mm -hmm. Uh, in addition to then having the support Hey, I heard this kid talk about 
this single point rubric. I really want to try that in my class. I Can also you think me? we go back to research too and in mm -hmm. the brain and of how course, we learn. Yeah. We love mm -hmm. Sarah Hammond. Hammond. Love her. Yeah. Culture responsive teaching in the brain where mm -hmm. she connects culture responsive teaching to actually how the, the brain works. And she says the kids are the ones that need to carry the cognitive load mm -hmm. and we need to teach them how to think and how to process so they're able to build their capacity. Mm -hmm. um, and so going back to the research too and how learning and like those that are doing the talking are doing the learning and um, so not only do we try to give examples of what it could look like but then support it with like you said the why excellent Michaela and Trisha thank you very much yeah. for talking with us thank today thank you for having yeah. us thanks, thanks for all you're doing we appreciate the partnership thank you it doesn't matter what we're alone.